Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Horsham Church of Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.horsham.org.au. I just need to pause again and I invite you to join me as we pause. I know Gary's prayed, but I just want to pause in this moment and just um, come back to the word and re-centre ourselves and commit ourselves again to the work and the listening of the Holy Spirit as he whispers into our spirits. So let's, let's join together in prayer. Father, we do thank you for um, your faithfulness. We do thank you for your goodness. We honour you because you continue to build your church um, through difficult circumstances and times of blessing. We do thank you because you continue to uh, call people to yourself. And we pray that as we um, gather around your word, that we would not only hear the words that I speak, but the words of your spirit that would refresh, would renew, encourage, challenge, stir, awaken and draw us closer to you. Holy Spirit, minister deeply and richly. Grant us the courage and the humility to listen for you and to you. And not only to listen, but to respond in obedience that we might fully hear you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the freedom that we have in your word. And we stand with those and a part of those who do not have the same freedom. We are mindful of many who don't have the same opportunity to open scriptures. And so in this, Father, we... we give you thanks for the freedom that we have we give you thanks for the way in which you're building your church through persecution through hardship through struggle and we look forward to the kingdom and seeing the full expression of your kingdom in days to come in the name of Jesus amen so I'd like you to uh, think about the most recent movie that you've watched uh, maybe if you're not into movies, it might be a TV series. What's the most recent TV series you watch? If not your favourite TV series, maybe you read more books or maybe you watch more musicals. Look, you've got the idea. Whatever the spectrum is that you might watch, engage with, um, follow, socialise with, think about it. What's your favourite of any of these things? Um, now, I want you to, I wonder if, in thinking about those, whether it's a, a movie, a TV, a book, a musical, can you name the last person listed in the credits? Can you name the person who distributes the books? Can you name the producer of the musical? Can you name the executive producer? Can you name the stagehand? What and who can you name in any of those elements of the TV or movies, books or musicals? My suspicion is, apart from maybe half a dozen people who star in it and the characters in it or the author of it, you probably don't know too many other people. I was watching a movie recently and for whatever reason, I was, this imagination, this thought captured me in terms of watching the credits. I actually, um, I won't say watch the credits fully, but I scrolled through them and I paused at different times. And I noticed in one section of these credits, there was a, a graphic design company listed. And under the, the company name of the graphic design artist, there were another 70 names that contributed as a part of that graphic design company. And I think that was only one of like three or four companies that were listed. 70 names from one graphic design company listed to help produce this movie. But what fascinated me even further, I scrolled, I went right through to the end and I got to the end 
and there was this line that said title credits and one person's name was listed. Now, my imagination said the title credits, there is one person listed that is solely responsible for getting everyone else's name and making sure they're listed on the credits. Could you imagine being the first time that you've ever been a part of making a movie and you wait till the very end to see your name on the credits and somehow you got left off? I suspect someone might get in trouble for that, particularly the person's job who it was to get all the credits together. Can you imagine getting those hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of names Names that you and I have probably never heard of. I watched another movie recently uh, called Nativity. It's one of our family favourites. We're already into the Christmas movies. Um, We've broken our rules of December the 1st. But anyway, that's another story. So we watched this Nativity and at the end of their credits was listed insurance companies. Um, Maybe that says something about some of the stuff that happens in the movies, but... I just thought it was really fascinating that it got to the end that many things, that many names that we couldn't think of recognise and it was significant enough and important enough to register their name here. The Part of the challenge for us is that we honestly don't care who's at the bottom of the credits, do we? You don't sit there watching a movie, reading a book, watching a musical, or watching a TV series and go, oh, I wonder who the last person on the credits is that contributed to this movie because you're more interested in the end result, aren't you? You want to say that was a great movie. Whoever starred in that movie, they were brilliant. Your whole focus is on the end result, the outcome, and one or two characters' stars in that movie or in the book or the musical that you might have been thinking about. We honestly don't care because we want to see the end result. But if we were to be honest, if we were to be truly honest with ourselves, most of us want some recognition along the way, don't we? Most of us want to be thanked. Most of us want to be seen. Most of us might not necessarily want to be up front. Many of us certainly won't want to be in front of a camera. But if we do a small task for someone or if we help out the church or if we help out a community organisation, we like to be noticed. Even if the end result's been recognised, even if the end result's a great outcome, even if anyone celebrates the end result, we get a bit miffed, don't we? We get a bit annoyed if someone doesn't at least give us the time to say thank you. So over the last few weeks, and it has taken me a few weeks, so I've been thinking on this, tech, on this theme for a number of weeks since we started this series, and today marks the end of our series, Return To, And I want to finish by an invitation to return to serving. It has been brewing even before we knew that we were gathering next week in person again. This message has kind of been brewing and wrestling within me and I've had different ideas shaping it. So, And just before you think about switching off, this is not an invitation to sign up to anything. I'm not asking you to sign up to anything today. So sit back, breathe, chill. Leave the remote control exactly where it is. Because what I am actually asking us to consider today is the kind of vision that we carry. What is the vision for serving that you carry? What is the grand purpose, the outcome, the end result, the hopes and the dreams that you might have? What is the call, the mission, the purpose that you might be contributing to that just you get up for in the morning and you know that's why you are serving?
See, often we have a really small vision of serving, especially in the life and the ministry of the church. We think serving, right, what roster will I go on on Sunday morning? All right, I want you to put that aside. It's not about rosters today. It's not about duties. It's not about tasks. Quite frankly, if there was a way to do it, I'd throw out the rosters. But there's a practicality about it. <laughs> often we think about serving and we think, oh, look, if it suits me, if it fits in, well, that might not actually be serving in the full extent with a grand vision. Or we maybe have limitations to our serving. No, 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 no. I, you can ask me to do that, but no, I won't do that. Why won't you do that? I just won't. I just won't. I've had a few conversations like that in the course of ministry and church life over the years. Or sometimes we get to a point where, no, I'm not serving the church ever again. We kind of cross our arms and we sit down and we thump down and we mope around the place or we mope around the community because you weren't thanked in 1955. Or maybe we're just busy running around. We're struggling with the sense of our commitments to work and to business and to family. We're busy uh, or maybe we're just busy running around and at the end of the day when we get served, we kind of leave a little bit empty or when we serve because we get a bit empty because actually... I don't feel any more loved in this. I don't feel like I've been any more accepted in this. It indicates a really small vision because we haven't yet found our love in Jesus so that we can serve out of who he is first. Some of us are already thinking, oh, I can't do too much. My body won't let me do too much. I'm too old. I've had a few conversations like that. So I want to say to you at this time, your prayers and your encouragement for the next generations are perhaps some of the most powerful ministry that this, uh, any church, any ministry, the kingdom needs in this season. Your prayers and your encouragement to the next generations have enormous value in serving the body of Christ but also serving our community to transform it in the name of Jesus. So if you're new amongst us, maybe you've switched on the first time, maybe you're wondering what this whole church thing is, maybe you're exploring who Jesus is, I want to invite you to come with us, travel with us. We're really grateful that you have joined us and we hope that in this time that you might have your spirit awakened to a bigger vision perhaps than you've ever encountered before in Jesus. We are invited today in this message, through this message and through the last few messages to return to the heart of Jesus with a vision kingdom, uh, with a vision of a kingdom that is not yet fully realised. So I want to go back several thousand years. The people of Israel, um, probably more than several thousand years, uh, the people of Israel had been oppressed by um, Pharaoh in Egypt. They'd been oppressed there for 400 years. They'd um, seen Joseph do some great things. They'd established some great things. But after the death of Joseph, these people had become so great that Pharaoh and the people of Egypt committed to oppressing them and making uh, the people of Israel their slaves. For some 400 years, it ended up being. Moses and Aaron are called to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt into the promised land. God promises a land to them even before they have left Egypt. God promises something new. He doesn't just say walk out in this instance, but he gives them something to walk towards and into. He gives them a grand vision. He promises to lead the people out of slavery into the promised land 
and they move out of slavery, oppression and bondage. There's a whole story there. They wander around in the wilderness for 40 years, complaining and whinging and longing to go back to Egypt, longing it would be better to die in slavery. Oh man, it's an incredibly sad story along the way. A people who are proud, a people who lose the vision of God's kingdom. And all through this time, even before they come out of slavery, as they wander around the wilderness, as they complain, as they have moments of celebration and success, the whole time God says to them in one form or another, do not forget, I am your God who has called you out of slavery into freedom to be a blessing to nations around you. Now hold that there. Do not forget Remember who I am, remember what I have done, and remember what I will do through you. Now, I've paraphrased that sentence, but you can go through, read uh, Deuteronomy and Exodus and um, the Kings and the Chronicles and Samuel, and you'll, you'll see that statement time and time again. You'll see that statement time and time again in the Psalms. God, I do not want to forget you. We have forgotten you. All through this, God says, do not forget the vision that I have placed within you, both of who I am and who you are and the impact that that will bear upon the nations. Israel wandered in the wilderness. And as they wandered in the wilderness, I mean, this is always astonishing when I read this. There's, there's moments as they wander in the wilderness that other nations hear about this Israel and the God that they serve. And nations crumble before them. Nations, we're told, quiver when they hear the people of Israel are near. That's how powerful this vision is, this expectation, this understanding of who this God is, this God who goes above the the sun God, the fertility God, the rain God, this God who is above all other gods. These people have identified with him and they have seen and heard the stories of how God has worked through them. And the nations quiver. After some time, of course, the people of Israel establish themselves in the promised land. And as they establish themselves, they forget that they were once an oppressed people. They forget that they were once called out of slavery into the promised land not just so they could kick their feet up, not just so they could grow fat on the promises that God had given them, but to declare God's goodness and faithfulness to the nations around them. Instead of bringing redemption, restoration and freedom, they became proud, greedy and oppressive. They stopped serving humbly and they forgot the mercy that had been extended to them by the one true God. You tend to forget, don't you? When you've got everything you need, you tend to forget what it was like to be suffering. When we have everything we need, we tend to forget our need of God. When we have everything that we need, we tend to forget that God is faithful. When we feel like the doors are opening, when we're getting blessing, when things are going well, we tend to forget our need of God. And indeed, what God might have actually been call us, calling us into. We tend to lose sight or reduce the vision that God might have first placed within us. And maybe some of that's the responsibility, you know, a lot of that's the fault of the church. 
We get stuck in small ways. We get stuck in small visions of how what serving looks like, what the heart of the Father is. We get wrapped up in um, small moments, if you like. As, as much I see gathering as important to release and empower and encourage and cheer on and remind us that we are not on our own. That's why we gather. But sometimes our vision just gets shrunk down into, well, if I go on Sunday, tick, and the rest of the week, we forget God. We've lost sight of the vision that God first laid within us of the relationship and the love that he had in store for us and the desire that he had. See, Israel had become the economic, military and religious power of the Middle East. They forgot God. They enslaved people to build their own political gains and they forgot to care for the outcast, the oppressed, And it's into this context. Over the course of several hundred years and numerous kings and numerous priests, the prophets come and they speak to a nation that has lost its soul. And these are some of the things that prophets say. In Amos chapter 5, Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps, but let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never-ending stream. That's a bigger vision. That's a bigger call. That's a bigger invitation into a much deeper relationship. Micah says, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? And in fact, the early asked, is it about sacrifice? Is it about blessing? Is it about incenses? No, he's shown you what is good. What does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Do not forget. Do not forget that I am the Lord your God. I have called you out of slavery into life, into freedom, so that you might be a blessing to others. Expand your vision. Awaken an old vision. Zechariah writes, The word of the Lord came again to Zechariah, and this is what the Lord Almighty said, Administer true justice, show mercy and compassion to one another. Do not oppress the the widow or the fatherless, the foreigner or the poor. Do not plot evil against each other. This is a much bigger vision than simply serving out of duty. This is a much bigger vision than simply serving because it's our turn. And I've heard recently, and I'm going to make a mess of the the quote, but my understanding of justice has been kind of stirred and expanded even more because it's about finding out what belongs to whom and restoring it to them. Kind of puts a, if you like, to make right what is wrong, what has been taken away, to restore to others. And the mercy is to withhold or not to hand out something that people deserve. This is the vision of serving. This is the heart of serving. This is the vision of God's kingdom. The prophets point to the behavior, the attitude, and even the worship of God's people, and they say, your worship means nothing. Your worship means nothing unless it reminds you and causes you and calls you to serve, to restore, to redeem, to liberate, and to make whole. Your worship means nothing unless it reminds you of your relationship with God and all that God has done, all that God is and all that he is calling you out of and into 
and who he is calling you to serve. Those with the heart for the poor, the broken, the outcast and the oppressed. What does it look like for the church to be a movement that serves our community, that seeks to restore and renew, to make right what is wrong? What does it look like to serve a vision of justice and mercy? We uh, spend a lot, of, a lot of time talking about balance and, and Linda reminded us a few weeks ago to return to the nature of rest, to return to the, the call to Sabbath. And that's an important conversation to have. And it's one that Jesus modelled. But we often talk about life balance. And I think Jesus modelled this. He recognised that the work that God called him to was important. His healing was important. His ministry was important. But he still took time aside to be with God. To, I, I imagine realigning himself, to reminding himself of who he was, to remind himself of who God is, his father was, to remind himself of the beauty and the wonder and the, the joy of that relationship as he went about serving the community, as he went about speaking into those who were closest to him. And no doubt we need to remind ourselves that God holds all things, that the work that we're given is never complete, so it's okay to withdraw from the work. But it's, we often have big seasons or we, I just, maybe we, I should have crossed that word balance out. I don't think it's a helpful word for us. The rhythm in our work and our rest is a much healthier concept. But in the midst of this realignment, in the midst of Jesus, the busyness that he had, the full-on and the, the withdrawing that he had, people went looking for him. They couldn't find him because he'd gone to be with his father, to be in prayer, to, to wait, to pray all night about who he'd called to follow him. Whatever aspect. In the midst of all this, Jesus always had in mind the cross before him. He always knew that his heart of serving was about the kingdom of sacrifice. When you're at rest and when you're thinking about finding some rhythm again in your life, what's your bigger vision? What's your bigger purpose? What is God revealing to you in that time? Because I'm pretty sure that Jesus had in mind the hope and the promise of the resurrection. Jesus knew the resurrection was coming, but he couldn't skip that part. <laughs> he couldn't skip the suffering. He couldn't skip the sacrifice. Without the sacrifice, there's no new life. There's no resurrection. Without the giving up, without the laying down, without the surrendering, there's no resurrection. And he had to keep in mind a much bigger vision, I believe, of what it was to serve wholeheartedly, sacrificially. The resurrection, the new life comes, but not without the cross. And that's a tough call for us to take. Serving costs us something. Serving is sacrifice, particularly if we've got a big vision of what God has given us. In the Gospel of Matthew, there's a story where the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons. And look, I think you're always in trouble. And there's always something happening here if your mother has to come and ask for permission for something when you're an adult. Just saying, just putting it out there. Um, so 
Now I've lost my train of thought. Here's the reading. Um, Ask the sons, kneeling down. So the mother kneels down, recognising the place of surrender and humility. (laughs) Ask the favour of Jesus. What is it you want, Jesus asks. The mother responds, grant that one of these two, (laughs) not even both of them, oh no, sorry, one of these two will sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup I am going to drink? So Jesus shifts his attention. I think it's an important note. Jesus shifts his attention from the mother to the sons. And the sons suddenly become vocal. Oh, of course we can. We can do that. No worries, they answered. And this always fascinates me that I suspect Jesus knew their answer. If we knew Jesus to be all-knowing and all-powerful, I've always felt like he always knew how they would answer. You will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom have, they have been prepared by my Father. When the, turn, when the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. And Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over. There's authority, there's community authority, there's religious authority, there's political authority here, and they lord it over. They stand over because of their position, if you like. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. And at this point, I suspect all the disciples went, what's next? Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be the first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And we struggle with this language. Whoever wants to be first must be your slave. We have an idea of what slavery looks like and we've never truly experienced it. I suspect there's many still in our nation and many who have run away from other nations who have understood slavery in their history and what that looks like and the sacrifices they've made and the way they've been treated in that. And Jesus uses this, the image of slavery, the image of serving, and he says, if you want to be great, have a bigger vision. Serve. Because this is what the Son of Man has come to do. And not only just to serve in the way that you think, but, or in the way that's surprising you or catching you off guard, but to give his life as a ransom for many, as Jared reminded us earlier. The drinking of the cup refers to Israel's suffering. So there's a pointing back to as much as it points forward to, again, the Passover meal, the communion. Jesus' response is, yep, you will suffer. (laughs) You can drink this cup. That's a tough cup to drink. You will take it and you will be a part of it. You've captured something of of the vision that I carry for the kingdom of God that is not yet fully realized. But position and greatness isn't the purpose. Position and greatness isn't yours to determine. And it's even not just to think about it, but it's to participate in a way of being, in a way of worshipping, living and serving. And the expression of God's kingdom is to be amongst and a part of one who serves. And it's in this that we discover the true nature of life with God. Paul writes to the Philippian church and he says, Each of you should not only look to your own interests, but to the interests of others. And then he goes on and he says, um, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. 
who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death and as if that's not enough even death on a cross like this is not just death this is brutal torturous death that's how obedient he was to this vision that's how obedient he was to serving the kingdom of god want to know greatness serve and I want to challenge and invite us today to seriously and humbly and genuinely seek out and ask God, how, Father, can I serve you today? And in serving you, how might I serve those around me? See if you know, he notices you to ask you to serve someone in your family, even though they're annoying you. <laughs> I mean, that's most basic, foundation-level kind of stuff. Or what about that annoying person at your workplace who just drives you nuts and makes your life incredibly hard and i'm not saying you know you go to work every day and you do what job you've been asked to do and you come home with a pay packet that's not serving it's this is the the sacrificial the going the extra the going the deeper doing the dirty work that nobody else notices gets seen nobody else thanks you for you feel you're putting something on the line you feel like you're missing out humbly go and seek after that kind of serving Act with grace and mercy towards your colleagues. What does that look like? See if you notice your heart when you ask God this question, turn towards making things right, bringing about restoration. That's justice. If we take it seriously, it'll be serving that does cost us something. But also I think we'll see some incredible stories of what God does through our witness. Remember, do not forget, I am the Lord your God who has brought you out of slavery into life so that you might be a blessing to others so that others might know who i am and receive that blessing also it could be some powerful stories what does a serving look like in our workplace in our home in our neighborhood go for a walk around the block asking god to reveal how you can serve your neighbors what is it he might be inviting you to do and if it's just a whisper and you go oh no no it can't be that I dare, you know, I dare you, <laughs> have a crack, see what happens and release it. If nothing happens, that's a gift that you've given to God and you need to release it and surrender it and acknowledge it as a sacrifice in the acknowledgement that God will bring about the new life in his time, not yours, not mine. How do we lift, out, how do we lift our city out of violence and poverty? How do we restore people into homes? How are we called to advocate for national issues towards um, the way that we've treated our Indigenous people or even refugees at the moment? How do we serve even people who disagree with our point of view around COVID and vaccines and goodness knows what other conversations are going to come? How do we serve in a way that's not just about shouting but about humbly sacrificing ourselves even to death? That is death to our own ideals, death to what we value, death to being right or considered important, but surrendering ourselves to the heart of the Father, to his vision. So there's nothing. <laughs> this is not a particularly easy or comfortable message. It's not even a particularly easy or 
warming imitation, is it? And yet it is the most fulfilling way to live, to set our focus and attention in celebrating and serving God in a way that brings about his justice and mercy. That's something I want to be a part of. That's a cause, a purpose, a mission that I want to take a hold of. That's the kind of serving that has the power to transform a community. And all this, friends, is an invitation to follow and to know Jesus, to encounter him in a very personal way, to know that you are loved first and out of that love to be called into something new, something deeper and richer. And all we need to do is say, you know what, Jesus, I live in a broken, fractured world. I am broken, I am fractured, and I need to know your love. And I want to declare you as my Lord and Saviour today. He came amongst us. He moved in amongst us, says the Gospel of John, as the light of the world to redeem us and call us, to invite you to be a part of his family, to invite you to be a part of his kingdom, to be invite you to be a part of his vision, to see his kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. There are plenty of options in our world where you serve yourself, where you build your own kingdom. And they're tiring. They're exhausting. And they're not very life-giving, you'll find, after a period of time. And there's nothing as satisfying or rewarding, nothing that endures as much as serving out of the depth and the wonder, the beauty and the joy of God's love. There's no pain or wound that God isn't able to heal. There's nothing that you've done or thought that God isn't able to forgive, redeem, restore and make whole that can be a blessing to all you meet. And then you too become a witness to the hope, the life and the transforming power of serving God because he first loved us. If you haven't made that declaration of faith, we want to invite you today to join with me in prayer. Maybe you have made that declaration of the faith, but you've lost sight of the bigger vision. You've got caught up in the everyday. Maybe it's time just to realign, come back and say, God, I've lost sight of your bigger vision. I've lost sight of your heart. Forgive me. Remind yourself that you've made that declaration of faith. I invite you to join me in prayer. Father, we want to thank you for who you are. We need to remember who you are. And we confess that we can too quickly and too easily lose sight of who you are because we often have everything that we need. And we forget that you give us. You are the great provider. You are the one who has given everything for our life. Holy Spirit, we ask that you minister deeply and richly into our lives, into our families even now. For those who have been following you for a long period of time, stir again that vision of your kingdom. For those of us who have been following but have just got sidetracked, have lost sight, have got caught up in the everyday, have lost sight of your spirit, your call into the ordinary everyday moments of opportunities to serve. Father, we again come before you and we declare you as Jesus. Uh, declare Jesus as our Lord and Saviour. For those of us sitting here right now, Father, and might not be completely certain of what it all means, Father, we pray that people, we just want to declare Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour. We confess that we are broken people. We are sinful people. And we ask that you redeem and restore all of us. Call us back to yourself so that our hearts, our minds, our spirits, our eyes, our words, our thoughts would again be awakened to the vision that is your kingdom coming here on earth as it is in heaven. Father, for our families, for our children, may you place within them as our families watch this and participate in this, 
that we would speak dynamic, powerful vision that goes beyond simply what we can see. But we will point out the heart and the glory of a Father who loves us and invites us to walk with him. Father, we thank you for those who have made this confession of faith. We thank you for those who made this confession of faith to follow you for the first time. May you sustain them, may you encourage them, may you gather people around them so that they can continue to be disciples who make disciples and transform our community. In the name of Jesus. Amen.